This is God's land, the land that God has planned for us to have. You know, I can remember three years ago coming out to this land almost every morning and talking to God and saying, Lord, give us this land. And I look down this way and I would say, Lord, you gave Quick Trip land. You gave Home Depot land. God, would you give us this land so we can use it for your glory? And he did. And now we are just four months away from breaking the ground upon which I stand to build a building for the glory of God. A building where many, 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 many people are going to be discipled to follow Jesus. A building where many people will be sent out to go and start more churches. A building where many people are going to leave this land and go to foreign lands to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you see it? Can you see it happening? Right now, this is just grass. But soon enough, God is going to do miracles right here. Right over there, that's where our worship center will be. Miracles will happen. People will be transformed from death to life as they push back their chair and give their life to Jesus Christ. It's going to happen right there. It's going to happen right there. It's going to happen right there. It's going to happen a thousand times over on this piece of land. God is going to do that. Church, we are so close. We've been working on this now for five years, and we're only four months away from breaking ground on this land. I can see the finish line of this next chapter, but we need to finish strong. We need to finish strong for the glory of God. Let's do this. All right, I'm pumped up. I pumped myself up. I'm so pumped up. All right. <laughs> Listen, God's gracious hand has been on this church uh, for a long time now. You know, we started this process of working towards a building uh, five years ago now. And in those five years, we've been able to watch God provide and provide and provide. Uh, I've told uh, some of you that have been here for a while the story before of when in late 2014, uh, we were trying to raise a half a million dollars, $500,000 for the land, which was a huge deal for us at, at that time. And I, there's a lot that God has taught me about faith in the last five years. And then in my lack of faith, I had convinced myself that there was no way we would even hit $300,000. And then one night I got an email from a 23-year-old in our church uh, telling me how they had just been given a significant raise at work and they felt like they were led by the Lord to give that difference to the land project and they pledged, a 23-year-old pledged $50,000 over three years and gave all of it and God provided. Or I think of, you know, we started looking for land and it took us two years, which felt like 200 years to actually find land. And just as we were sort of beginning to lose hope in the process, we got together and we prayed and God led us to the land that we're on, which is an incredible piece of land in this community. 30,000 cars a day pass through that intersection. And we even were able to purchase it for $600,000 less than it was worth, which is just a miracle in and of itself. And so we've been working on this project for uh, five years now. And as I said in the video, the finish line to this chapter is near. And I think because we're in such a critical season of life as a church, I felt like one of the best places for us to be in scripture was to be studying the life of uh, Nehemiah because Nehemiah was also someone who was tasked to build something 
for God. Now, if you were here last week, uh, we went over chapter 1 of the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Uh, It's a book that takes a place uh, about 400 years or so before Jesus. So many of the Jewish people were actually still living in the land of Persia at the time. Today we're going to take a look at chapter 2. There's a Bible under every chair. I'd love for you to uh, follow along, or you can use your Renovation Church app. Uh, We are going to be on page 383 this morning. Uh, So Nehemiah was cupbearer to the king of Persia, who at that time was King Artaxerxes. And Nehemiah's brother has come all the way from Jerusalem to give a report to Nehemiah about what things are like there. So just to recap, let me just read two verses from chapter 1. This is page 383. Starting at verse 3, Nehemiah says this, They said to me, Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then the rest of chapter 1 is kind of Nehemiah's prayer. So we're going to move to chapter 2. So can I take your eyes over to chapter 2 there in your Bibles? And we're going to start right at uh, verse 1 this morning. Okay, here's what it says. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was, remember he's the cupbearer, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. Why would Nehemiah say that? Well, he says that because in, in those days, it was incredibly dangerous for a servant of the king to be sad in the king's presence. Uh, the idea was, and it's still like this with dictators today, the, the king is so wonderful that it would be impossible for someone to be sad in his presence, right? And so this is a major insult to the king to be sad in his presence. And that's exactly why Nehemiah writes, I was very much afraid because he could be losing his life just for being sad in the king's presence. Uh, we're also told that now it's the month of Nisan uh, in the Jewish calendar. So four months have gone by since chapter 1. That's four months of Nehemiah praying and seeking God on what he should do, if he should go to Jerusalem, if he should build the wall, how he should build the wall, and four months of kind of waiting for God to open a door and provide opportunity, and now God is opening the door. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. He says, But I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad? When the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed. He's going to offer a real quick prayer here in his head. Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. Now before we get to his request, realize that Nehemiah is going to make a request of the most powerful man on the planet at the time. And why is he going to risk his life to do that? He's going to risk his life to do that because he is incredibly burdened for his city. And we believe that God has put the same burden on our heart. That's what we talked about last week. We said there are probably close to, say, 45,000 people in this city alone that aren't saved. They don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which means if we believe the scriptures that they're heading towards a Christless eternity, that they won't be in heaven. We want to see as many of them as possible saved with the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. But in order to do that, we, we can't do that here because we're going to run out of room. 
We're going to need a building. And so for the last two years now, we've called this particular project of working towards this building, we've called it Harvest. And we've named it that kind of because of the unique story of our land and because of God's heart for the harvest. That's in scripture, we use that for seeing people be saved, for being brought in to the kingdom of God. So our land, uh, I'll show you kind of a picture of where it is if you've never seen it. It's right there, kind of on Lexington and 125th. It used to be a shell gas station there that is uh, no more. Um, it was, don't, <laughs> it, there's a, you're just quick trip fans in the house or something. All right, this, our particular piece of land, um, actually this whole area here, this whole quadrant, this whole corner, uh, used to be a part of what was the Finn Farm uh, in Blaine. And for almost a century, it was a farm where every year there was a fruitful harvest. And we're praying that God now uses that same piece of land for a spiritual harvest. Now the harvest is indeed growing here, so much so that as I just said, our current field here at North Point Elementary is going to run out of the room for the harvest. So let me show you kind of an updated graph here so you can see what I'm talking about. So uh, this is uh, our attendance uh, history. So kind of in the gray here, this is where we are up till present day. So we kind of really quick growth right out of the gate, moderate growth for four years or so, four or five years. And then really over the last three to four years, we've had pretty tremendous growth for a church in modern day. Uh, churches don't usually grow that fast in 2019 anymore. And so we're growing quickly, and we know that if we continue to grow sort of at that line, that in just two to probably three years, we are completely out of room at this space. I've talked to a lot of people that actually think that this growth limit is lower than this. We put it at 800. Certainly we can do more than that on a weekend. Obviously we have at special events. But there's, that's, you, know, you can do that for a weekend, but you can't do five services uh, perpetually, right? You can't have 200 people walking from a third of a mile away in January. I'm sure you all will, but uh, maybe not a visitor. So we know that if we do nothing, that in just two and a half years, we're going to be out of room. We're going to have to be turning people away. Now, I know a lot of you have seen our plans for the building before, but I also know that so many of you are new, as you can see by this chart, uh, just in the last year, and you haven't. And even if you have seen stuff before, what we've had up until you know, maybe six months ago was really just a basic concept. It was a floor plan, and now we're almost 100% done uh, with our building of plans. And so as I begin to show you more of what the building looks like, one of the things I'm going to ask right now is for our ushers, if they were just going to stand up quick, and th- what they're going to do is right now they're going to hand out to you our uh, updated harvest booklets that have just a ton of information. So you guys can start doing that, and they'll hand this out to you. If you've seen a booklet like this before, uh, please, please take it. Um, one of the things that you'll uh, see is there's just a lot of updated information in there including a number of photos of what it will look like on the outside and on uh, the inside. And I, I just, I believe that at defining moments like this, that it's incredibly important to communicate as clearly as possible. And so we really want to do that. And so we've personally put this guide together to help you just understand what this process is all about. Uh, I I hope you can tell, uh, but there's been an incredible amount of planning that has gone into this building from our staff and also from our building team at church. One of the things that actually jumped out to me this week as I was uh, studying Nehemiah is that Nehemiah was ready with his own plans when the king asked him why he was sad. In fact, look at the next few verses. So verse 5, he says, and I answered the king. So here's his request. He says, if it pleases the king... 
And if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take? And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of God, of my God, was on me, the king granted my request. See, I love this because Nehemiah has spent four months in prayer now seeking God, but he's also working diligently on his planning with the Lord's guidance so that when God opens the door, there's an opportunity. It's not like he has to say, uh, well, what I would like is to go to Jerusalem. Or when would you like to go? What are you, uh, well, I just, uh, he is ready to answer this question, right? He knew the exact amount of time it was going to take. He knew that he needed to ask for letters so he could have safe conduct through the regions in between. He even knew to ask for an army to accompany him. Who asked for that? And can you send your army to to make sure that I'm legitimate? And he even knows that he's going to need the timber from that region to be large enough. So he asked the king to give him the timber for the wall, and he does. I just feel like for those of you that are, are leaders, maybe you lead something at work or you lead something here at church, Nehemiah is a really important example of how we need as leaders to balance prayer and planning. You can't just pray and not have a plan, and you certainly can't just plan and not pray. Nehemiah does both, and we see that the gracious hand of God is upon him, and the king says yes to all of his requests. And likewise, our, our staff, our building team, has worked really, really hard to come up with a plan for this building. In fact, one of the things I want to do for you this morning is I want to show you a video flyover of the exterior of our building. Uh, we, we had something remotely similar to this uh, in years past. Some of you have seen it. But really then it was just basic rectangle blocks. Now you're going to see the exact shape, the materials, what it looks like. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. So you ready for this? All right, let's take a look. Here we go. Okay, so here, this Lexington is right here. This is the frontage road of Fraser. You can get into the parking lot really in uh, two different ways here. Uh, in the back here, you have the uh, worship center. And then over here is kind of the lobby, the entry where you walk in. I feel like the cars are wrong. There probably should be a lot more minivans in this parking lot. Um, <laughs> this wing over here is the children's wing. There are six different rooms, all the way from nursery to fifth grade will be over here. As we come along here, we come to the entryway, the lobby. Right here is the cross, right here in the middle, uh, the sign for Renovation Church. This is the admin wing, so the offices will have a classroom there for Renovation U will be on that side. And now it'll show you what it would feel like if you're driving along Lexington. There is a massive sign right here. I think it's 200 square feet uh, that you'll be able to see all the way over from the corner here on uh, Lexington and 125th. Pretty cool, huh? All right. Now... And you can see pictures of that um, in the, in the uh, booklet as well. Now, we couldn't fit everything into today's message. I really uh, wanted to. So I want you to come back next week, and we're going to show you another video. It's actually a fly-through, where it's going to be the same sort of thing, and it'll fly into the building and show you what each of the different rooms 
look like. It's actually one of the coolest things I have ever seen. So uh, make sure you are here for that. Um, Before we go any further, let me ask a favor of you. Um, Would you be willing to take your Harvest booklets and actually just put them under your chair? Because I I just don't want you to miss this next part because I want to make sure that we all are on the same page uh, for this. Uh, Just don't forget it when you leave here today. Uh, Last November, uh, for those of you who were here, I said that there were four main factors, things that can change, things that might remain steady, we don't know, but four main factors to us breaking ground in March, uh, March of 2020. So I want to remind you real quickly what those four factors were and kind of update you on, on how they've gone. So the first factor was how will our harvest pledges come in? over the last 12 months, right? We didn't know how that would look 12 months ago, of course. And so how that's gone, I would say it's gone decently well. Uh, Could be better, could be worse, but it's gone decent is how I would rate it. Okay, second factor was would we continue to grow in attendance? So if our church uh, plateaus or it shrinks in size, well, that makes it harder to get to the building because then how will we afford the mortgage payment for the building? And obviously you saw from the chart, uh, that's a factor that's continued to go exceptionally well. The third factor, uh, and this was kind of the massive one that we've been praying about, was how well would the appraisal go? Because our ability to get the loan is really contingent on how well the appraisal goes. Um, We did get the appraisal. I know so many of you went out to the land, you prayed for that. Uh, The appraisal uh, was good and and bad. Uh, I would say more good than bad. They didn't give our land uh, as much value as we uh, anticipated that they would. However, uh, they uh, amazingly valued our actual building at a much higher percentage than what is typical for what churches usually get, and that helped us out a ton. Honestly, if the appraisal would have been even $100,000 lower than it was, which is nothing on a project of this magnitude, we would have been at a standstill today. And so we're not. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for going out and just seeking the Lord and and praying on that. And then the fourth factor that we've been mentioning in the last few years is probably the one that we had been least worried about uh, and didn't pay a whole lot of uh, thought to, say, two years ago or even 12 months ago. But the fourth factor has actually been the most difficult factor for us, if I'm honest. And that is the factor of the economy and that it's too good. So here's what, here's what I mean by that. Because the economy is so good right now, uh, businesses are building everywhere. I mean, you can drive around Blaine, right? You can just see it. Drive down 65. There's just construction projects absolutely everywhere. And because contractors and workers in the trades have so much business right now, they are raising their prices like crazy because they don't need the business, right? In fact, with a good economy, along with added tariffs uh, that have happened in the last year, some of the trade costs, certainly not all of them, but some of the trade costs are up even 20% year to year in just 12 months. And so because of that, at times, it's been a painful year for our building team as we've watched prices just absolutely soar, construction prices, over the last 12 months. In fact, it became uh, really apparent to us in really early 2019 that we wouldn't be able to build 25,000 square feet of this building like we had been planning on because we just wouldn't be able to afford it with prices rising uh, this quickly. So one of the things we had to do earlier this year is we cut the building to 21,000 square feet. I will tell you what, though. I, we have worked so hard 
to maximize those 21,000 square feet that I actually don't feel like we lost all that much. We lost a little bit of classroom space. Uh, There's a tiny bit of the lobby on the front that kind of was taken out and a little bit of admin space. But I feel like in function that most of it is still there. Okay, so let's talk uh, dollars for a little bit here. For the last few years, our uh, financial research, and you can look back at past booklets and see this, has sort of told us that we had anticipated that we would be able to build and thus afford a building from about the five to five and a half a million dollar range. Really, 5.6 million is kind of the, something that ends in 5.6 something is kind of the end of that budget. So I'm going to throw out a lot of numbers at you. I threw that one on the screen for you so you kind of keep track of. That's kind of our budget. We go much higher than that. We just simply don't have the money to afford this overall project. So let me update you kind of what's happened the last 11 months. In uh, March this year, so this is after we kind of cut the building down to 21,000 square feet, we received an updated uh, budget, a project cost estimate from our contractors. And so we get their estimate, and then we have to add in our own cost, right? Because we have, this is called soft costs in the building. We have to add in what it'll cost to uh, pay all the fees for this thing. Uh, Architect fees, uh, City of Blaine uh, fees, our AV, furniture, chairs, all those sort of things. And after adding in all of our costs, that pushed the total project cost of the building to 5.5 million. That's where we were in March. And we thought, oh, that's really tight, but at least we're sort of still technically under budget. So our contractors continue to do uh, more work uh, throughout the spring. They come back to us a month later. We're in April now. Uh, We're all, at this point, expecting the price to go down. We've done nothing but sort of cut stuff out of the building instead of add things to it. However, they came into that meeting. They talked again about prices just soaring in the economy. And they told us we were now at 5.8 million, once we add back in our costs, of a total project cost. So we were $200,000 beyond our budget. And so that was not fun to hear, and we were incredibly disappointed because we felt like, oh, we're doing everything we can, right? And we, we weren't at 5.6, but we felt like the only way to get the price lower again was just to keep working on the project with the architects. Uh, one of the things that happens in a building process is when you get to a greater level of detail in your drawings, there's less guesswork to do in estimating the prices, Right? And thus, the prices typically, almost all the time, go down because contractors aren't having to pad their prices with estimations. They're looking at actual drawings at this point. So we met again in July. So this is this past summer. And our general contractor reported their latest estimate of building costs based off bids that they received from actual subcontractors. And in what I would call probably one of the worst top 10 days of my life, Uh, They came in uh, to that meeting, and they said that the total project cost of our building, once we added in all of our stuff, had now jumped from what was, at the last estimate, 5.8 million. They said it was now 6.6 million dollars. Way over what we as a church can afford. One million dollars over. I think... I'm trying to think. I think that's probably the worst meeting I've ever been in in 15 years in ministry. I just remember feeling absolutely devastated. I remember looking at the door and just thinking, can I just leave? Like I want want to just get up and leave and go hide in my bed. I'm dead serious. That's how I felt. We were $1 million short. 
spent the rest of the meeting sort of talking about options, and I will tell you that all of the options we talked about were in a range from painful to excruciatingly painful. I think we have a lot of good people in this church, and I think there were plenty of people around the table that still just felt hope, but uh, I just needed to go to bed. Uh, one of the things I've learned about myself in this five years of crazy roller coaster process is I just am not one of those people that when, uh, when difficult times come that can say in the moment, it's all right, God has a plan. I'm just not, I need to go to bed. <laughs> like, g- give me to the morning. <laughs> well, the next morning, I woke up with an idea in my head as my eyes opened. Uh, which I believe now was from the Lord. And and it occurred to me that one of the only options that we had left was to just take our architect drawings and just put them out to bid to other general contractors to see if we could get a lower bid. Now, the chances of someone coming in looking at the exact same drawings and bidding on them $1 million less is almost next to nothing. But I just felt like, well, at least then there's a chance Right? We're giving God an opportunity to do something. Where if we just sort of quit and say it's never going to work, well then there's no opportunity for him to do something. And I want to at least provide an opportunity for God to do the miraculous. And so we put it out to bid. And then we started praying and fasting. In fact, we did a continuous fast until we got all the bids back. Somebody from our leadership team was fasting the entire time. And we just would pass it off. And so we put it out to bid. We had two companies that said, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll bid on this thing. First one comes back two weeks later. Now, remember, we're trying to get to 5.6 million. They, we just got bid at 6.6 million, a million dollars over, way out of our range. The bid comes back, and it was not high. It was higher. And they said they would do it for $8.7 million. And I died a little bit inside that day. That's <laughs> just awful. Ugh. Then uh, it was Wednesday, August 14th, about three months ago. Uh, this is just a, a faith-stretching time in our life, and I think for a lot of our leaders in, in their lives. I can remember I was driving uh, back from the Coon Rapids uh, area, uh, or Champlain, I can't remember where I was coming from, but I was driving on 610 on the bridge over the Mississippi River, and I just had this moment where I felt like the Lord just broke me. And... I told him, I'm just, I'm, I'm in prayer and I'm talking to him and I just said, Lord, you are good no matter what happens. Like, even if it's going to take us 10 years to get there, you are good. And for me, maybe that was just for me, but for me, that was a powerful moment in my life because I felt like I was finally just surrendering to his will. You know, so often in our lives we say, okay, God, here's my plan, now you do my will. And I was just saying, all right, I'm just going to take whatever is your will. Well, later that afternoon, so this is like maybe three hours after that, my phone rings and I get the final bid. Uh, it's from a guy named Brian Boss, BJ Boss Builders, who's a, uh, a man of principle, a man of strong Christian faith, uh, who's built a couple churches in the past, his company has. And he called me and he said, all right, we can do it in your budget. And today, our project cost is right at that 56 million dollar range, within our budget, one million dollars lower than what we quoted this summer. Uh, Brian Prunty, who uh, is from our church, uh, he leads our building team, he's an architect. I called him that afternoon and um, he, he said to me, I've been doing this for a long time. It was every day. And I have never seen that happen. Where somebody just comes in, that's a million dollars 
lower. And I remember hanging off the phone after I, I got the quote, and just, I dropped to my knees in the office. I made sure no one was looking first, and then uh, I just dropped to my knees, and I just remember thinking, oh, Lord, I just had this conviction of like, why, why, do, I, why do we even doubt? Like, I felt like I had justifiable reasons to doubt, right? But why do we even doubt? And I just looked back over the last five years, and I just felt like, no, 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 the gracious hand of God has been on this project the whole time. And I just think God is, uh, I, I hope, enjoyed growing our faith through the process. Uh, I can't say it's been enjoyable for me, but I, I appreciate it. God is hand, God's hand is on it. Okay, so where, do, where does this all kind of leave us? As I mentioned to you all back in October, we've always been planning that we would raise some money uh, this November. That's always kind of been a part of that budget number. Although I will admit to you, it is a bit higher than what we were planning on 12 months ago, now that we've learned all these things. But I'll also say to you that this number is not insurmountable. Okay, so here's where the rubber hits the road. Based on all of those numbers, in order for us to still break ground in uh, March, our bank has told us that if we are able to secure $210,000 in pledges over the next 15 months, that we'll be able to break ground in March. Now, I know that the majority of you in here have already made a pledge to harvest. You made a pledge for two years, you made a pledge for three years. And so if we're going to raise $210,000 in pledges for the Harvest Building Fund, uh, we're going to have to rely heavily on the 100 of you in this room that are new in the last year or so, and you haven't made a pledge. Otherwise, we won't be breaking ground in March. We probably need to delay this project by a year or, or two years. Let me just speak to the, the number of you. There's a lot of you in this room that are new. I believe that God has brought you to this church for a reason. The reality is we can't do this without you. It's not going to happen, at least on this timeline, without you. Besides, I would just say to you, I don't want you to walk into this building a year from now and feel like you weren't a part of this. This is something that we need to go and do together. If we're going to do this, it's going to take all of us, everybody, sitting in this room right now. We say all the time, you know that we do, we say all the time here that Renovation Church is not a cruise ship, it's a rowboat. Well, this is our time to prove it. Do we believe that, or do we not? Or are we just another church where people come and watch? I don't think that's us. I know that we can do this. And so we're asking uh, those of you who have never pledged to the Harvest Building Fund before to begin praying about making a 15-month pledge of what you would give over the next 15 months. So that's a pledge that would start in December next month, and it's a pledge of how much that you want to give above and beyond what you're already giving to the general fund. So we're not, what we can't do is have everybody move their general fund giving to harvest because then, well, we can't pay the rent here and we're not going to be here next week. You get the idea. But we also know this. So let me speak to all of you now. We also know that because 210000 is a little higher than we were anticipating 12 months ago, we know that we probably aren't going to make 210000 just from the 100 or so of you that are new within the last year. And so here's what we're going to do. We're asking all of you who have already pledged to harvest in the past 
to consider extending your pledge by three months. So for those of you that have already pledged to harvest, you made a three-year or a two-year pledge, your pledges are set to end a year from now. So the end of November 2020. And what we're asking is, would you pray about, would you consider extending your pledge to then go into December 2020, January 21, February 21. So basically, if you've already been giving for 24 months or 36 months by that time, we're just saying, you've done it for 36 months, would you give for three more months? And if you're giving annually, like some of you are, then you just give a portion of that. Give 25% of that over those three months. And if almost all of you do that, and combined with new pledges, we will get where the bank is requiring us to get. And then uh, six weeks from now or eight weeks from now, we'll be able to secure that loan so that we'll be able to break ground. In fact, we have a specific goal date. We, our goal date on paper right now is to break ground on March 23rd, uh, which is less than four months from today. Obviously, that's weather dependent, right? But that's our goal. And if we break ground on March 23rd, our goal is to be in the building on December 18th, 2020. So our goal is to get in and celebrate the birth of Christ Christmas together on next year. That's our timeline, which is amazing. So for now, I'm just asking that you pray. All of you, that you pray. I pray that God would continue to have his hand on this, that you would pray individually about what you can do. If you're married, that you begin to talk it over with your spouse. Take that harvest booklet home with you. Start reading through it so you're educated on everything that's happening. For those of you that are praying about extending your pledge, you're like, I don't even remember what my pledge was. Our financial people are going to email you within the next 48 hours and kind of let you know what your original pledge was so so you're aware as well. And then uh, our commitment Sunday, where we're going to hand in pledges, is going to be two weeks from today. So two weeks from today, we're going to have commitment Sunday. That's December 8th. And we're going to ask people to hand in cards of, of what they want to pledge. So let me just, just a couple of minutes here, let me just say this in closing. I, this, this is a tall order for our church, but I, I believe so strongly, more than I ever have in my life, that God's gracious hand is on this church. When Nehemiah gets back to Jerusalem, in verses 11 through 16, he goes out, he expects the wall by himself at night. And then, after he sees how pressing it is that they get to building the wall, he gathers the people together, and I want you to watch what he says, verse 17 to 18. He says, Then I said to him, to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me, and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Think about this. The wall had been broken down for 141 years, and now, finally, the people are ready to take a risk and go forward. Why is that? Why now? Because they saw the gracious hand of God. Nehemiah asked the king, can I just basically quit my job and go to Jerusalem for years and years and years? And he somehow says, yes. And he says, can I just have these letters to make? Yes. And could you like send an army with me? Sure, why not? And could you pay for like the timber and let me have, why not? What is, that's the gracious hand of God. And the people saw it and they said, God is moving. And they wanted to get on board with him. And what I'm asking of you is to do the same. God is moving here in this city through this church. 
His gracious hand has been on this project in miraculous ways for five years now. Why? Because God has incredible plans to use this building to reach a whole lot of people for Christ. You're going to see entire families changed by the gospel. Multitudes will be saved. God is moving here in the city. Will you join him? So seek God. Start talking to him about how you can join him. And let's just pray that God does amazing things. Let me pray for that. Uh, Lord, we, just, we praise you. We thank you for what you've done um, these past five years. And we're just so grateful for your movement for your glory. And God, we just trust in you over these next couple of weeks. We just trust in you, God, that you'll move in each of us and you'll do what you need to do. In your name we pray. Amen.